0: Welcome to the guilt grace gratitude podcast featuring peter bell and nick Fulweiler. this is a show about christian doctrine for everyone from the historic Reformed tradition delivered by two friends in an unscripted dialogue join us as we discuss how the finished work of jesus christ changes everything welcome everybody to another episode of the guilt grace gratitude podcast i'm nick fullweiler and peter bell is here how's it going nick it's awesome it's great to be here another day of fresh grace and mercy. Um, today, we're going to talk about the big P word, politics. Yeah, we're
1: talking about the two things you can't talk about at the dinner table.
0: Oh, yeah, you took my joke. Well, I, <laughs> table, but I was going to say, this is the, the double whammy that's ruined first dates and friendships everywhere.
1: Oh, man, you, t- you, you, you won up to me
0: Uh, (laughs) ah there we go so yeah it's um oh can i can i be really honest no with you guys with you and (laughs) go for it that's the whole point i'm no uh i wasn't really looking forward to doing this episode
1: (laughs) (laughs) i've been pushing him prodding him to do this episode
0: yeah it's just uh it's such a sensitive subject but good thing you and i talked before this yeah um and actually feel really good about where we are on the subject and yeah very objective and uh we're gonna learn some things that i didn't know before mm-hmm. uh, and uh we're not going to tell you how to go to the ballot box
1: yeah and this will come out and i'm sure you guys will see this this will come out three days before the election mm-hmm. um Wait, is the election on Thursday or Tuesday?
0: I think it's always on a Tuesday.
1: Oh, well, then this comes out the day before the election. Good. And so Good. as a Christian, yeah, we're, we're giving you guys not what to do, but how to think.
0: Yep, yep. And how to, be able, have a, how to biblically think. And it's just really helpful information. Uh, we're just being objective as possible. Uh, we can still be proud pro- American patriots, uh, yeah, and also uh, still Christians where we worship God above all else, yep, only God, and still be uh, proud Americans,
1: yeah. And we'll describe how that plays together as this episode unfolds. Cool,
0: so let's just dive right in. Um, to go for we're gonna just jump into the deep end instead let's, of, kind of let's do it, let's, let's start <laughs> off these.
1: These uh these table arguments.
0: Yeah, we already kind of set the table, and now we're going to jump right in. Yep. Um. So actually, I'm going to say something that helps this question. So the last two episodes that you heard were about covenants and yeah. about vocation. Those two episodes really help with understanding this topic. So if you ever, oh, yeah. if you're not listening to these in order, like we're telling you to, uh, at least please go back and listen to covenants and vocation. Yep. That Really, this is very similar to vocation in the layout and understanding, but also covenants play a big part in it. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So uh, with that said, what countries in history, meaning actual governments, have had a covenant from God?
1: America and Israel. No, just kidding. I was like,
0: wait, what? That's not what we talked about.
1: (laughs) Just, Just Israel. That's it.
0: Got it. Okay um a covenant isn't dedicated specifically to the u.s like you just mentioned yeah a specific nation right now so it's only been israel for all of correct
1: history. yep yeah that's that's it in exodus 20 and um kind of previewed in genesis 12 but like we talked about with law and gospel and the covenants seeing and also too kind of behind all of this is how to read the bible that third episode Um, seeing what does context tell you about these verses, how are we supposed to view these laws, how are we supposed to view these kings, and how does it relate to us as 21st century believers. And so all of those contextual clues in the text help us understand that this covenant was given to Israel as what we call a theocracy. And that's effectively just saying that this, this country, this they call it in theology, this body politic. So these people, as a group, were given these laws to govern themselves. And we see that throughout Exodus after the Ten Commandments because Moses is given the charge by Yahweh to, um, to with any kind of judicial laws, with any disputes that come up, either he or his elders are the ones who um, perform and help and create measures and then we see that kind of restipulated and done over and over with the kings and prophet, prophets throughout first um, Samuel, first kings, chronicles, all that stuff. But again, it's knowing how to read the Bible, who is this with and why is it with them, and then what does this mean for us in the 21st century?
0: Cool. So Israel was a theocracy. Um, are they still a theocracy? They are not a theocracy
1: any longer, Anymore. and that kind of goes against. yeah and that kind of goes against and again this is huge with the covenant episode that we we produced last week and it's why we produced covenants before this one it's israel in the old testament has always been the church it doesn't become the church and is not replaced by the church nor is it um israel is still a thing and the church is a parenthesis it is israel the true Israel, as Paul calls it, has always been the church. So we are Israel. We are the true. If you are grafted in as a believer, if you are under Abraham's bosom in Genesis 12, if he has if you have confessed the name of Christ and believed in your heart
0: that he has obeyed for you, then you are part of that true Israel. Cool. So you and I and believers out there are part of abraham's family line through the spirit
1: yeah and this is historic reform theology and i'll I'll put some some resources in the show notes to help you guys out with why we believe this and where we get it from scripture um but this is just historic reform theology
0: cool all right yeah good good point there uh now to get back on to where we were um so all nations in the world are under the noaic Covenant, right, and that's that's for all humanity, correct?
1: Yeah, and that's what we talked about last week with <clears throat> the covenant of common grace, with Noah towards the end of Genesis eight and the beginning of Genesis nine, uh, where he will not wipe out, he will cause it to rain on the good and the bad, he will yield crops for the good and the bad, he will make sure that humanity is elongated, that continues, and that's both for the judgment of the wicked and for the repentant of the righteous. Okay. Um so how is universal justice applied to this? Yeah, and so this goes a little bit into the covenant of common grace with Noah and he talks about this a little bit, but we can also point back to Genesis 4 and Genesis 5. And this is uh other nations after Cain kills Abel, other nations were told by a sign whatever the sign was, On Cain do not kill Cain Uh, and so we see that these nations that were not part of this original temple from Eden because Cain is an offspring of Adam and Eve and so they had this this special relationship this this small temple this presence of Yahweh amidst them and these nations around them as they start developing who don't have this special presence and so they are not covenanted with Yahweh in that sense uh, they are told by some sign, do not kill, for if you do kill, you will be likewise killed, or if you hurt, you will be likewise hurt. And I've, I've talked about this in other episodes. It's this theological term t- called lex talionis, um, and it's it's basically whenever you see in scripture eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, that's what it means. It's it is one thing for another thing, and that's given to all humanity, and it's for governments to for the good of all humanity, provide justice for all. And that's we see that foreshadowed in Genesis 4 and Genesis 5, and then it's recast to give back to us in Genesis 8 and Genesis 9. And then we also see that in Romans 13, uh, when Paul brings up the same concept with the civil magistrate.
0: Okay. So how can we also still be under the Messianic Covenant? right now too
1: yeah and this is what we'll get into so there's there's two not ways but there are two kingdoms mm. uh, and one of my professors dr david van Drunen, has written a couple popular works and again i'll, I'll put this in the show notes as well <coughs> and these are both kingdoms are equally under the sovereignty of christ but like the covenants they're administered differently and so The kingdom we're under as believers we're under the messianic we're under the kingdom of heaven and we live on this kingdom of earth and so we have as paul says we have dual citizenship also as peter talks about in first peter with aliens and sojourners in this land we have dual citizenship and the messianic is that church is that church age that we've talked about as well where we're part of that visible local physical church which is the temporary physical reign that mirrors, that shadows that full spiritual reign of Christ that we're under right now. Um, But then he also runs, rules the civil sphere. So we call the kingdom of earth. And that's with that moral code that we just talked about with Noah, with Moses, where it's written on our hearts, do not kill, do not murder, do not steal. Uh, And so that's how we can live in both kingdoms under the messianic covenant and the common as well. Hmm.
0: So also you, you mentioned David uh, Van Drunen. Um, if you guys also as a shout out to another awesome podcast out there, the New Geneva podcast. Yeah. Um, is a really good episode where they're interviewing him on this exact subject. Yeah. <clears throat> so if you wanna get another double dose of your <laughs> double whammy, yeah. Please uh, check that out, and you could hear that interview with him, and and he kind of breaks this down. Yeah, yep. He's on terms as well. Um, something that I know he actually talks about is Christendom. Yeah. Um, and what is that, and does it exist anymore?
1: Yeah, Christendom is is effectively rule under special revelation. So it's rule under the explicit authority, the word of Christ. And so you are running your country as Israel would have been run in the Old Testament. And that's assuming that that should still be the case. And so it's explicitly Christian laws, forbidding of non-Christian worship, um, only Christian churches, the religious freedom of only christian people um, that tends to be christendom where there is some sort of hardship some sort of not persecution but prosecution of those who are non-christians so the um, civil government runs effectively
0: the church and does it still exist did you say in that? various forms it
1: does so there's i guess technically on that podcast points out, i think there's two or three countries that have a theocracy in the sense but not a christian theocracy a um either a muslim theocracy or the other one's like a humanistic theocracy of some sort um but in various forms not christian it has existed
0: and in in other words, in more uh, common way of <clears throat> talking, that would be saying the statement "We are a Christian nation." Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I'd be saying, yeah, we have documents that are explicitly Christian. We have documents that define religion as a Christian and um, negate
0: other things that are not Christian. That's what that would be saying. And doesn't by all means it doesn't mean that our country doesn't have a lot of great christians and we do a lot of great things for the church it just doesn't mean that we are officially the united states has a covenant to be from god correct identified as a christian nation okay. Yeah. Yep. and i mean since we're on that uh, topic what we officially are as the united states is a constitutional federal republic
1: yep yes. just in case words. people want yeah. to
0: just in case people want to know <laughs> yeah um so this is a on a personal note i mean i know you'll echo this i myself i i love our country america just as as anyone i'm definitely pro-america i come from a military family um and very patriotic uh but i'm also obviously christian so And I'm sure uh, you would echo this as well. So why why is it actually a good thing as a Christian and as a uh, patriot, as a constitutional supporting American that our yeah. country isn't technically a Christian nation or identified as any one religion's nation?
1: Yeah, and this is this is hard, and this can kind of bite at our soul because we've um, unfortunately, and it's it's very easy to do, and I've done it up until recently. Um, where our politics and our religion have become so intertwined and we have not seen the exclusivity and the absolute necessity of the church and what she does in our life and how she, is, how she has been constituted for us under Christ and his sovereignty and how he rules the civil magistrate as well. But it's, it's good for us because it, under that Noahic covenant, under that covenant of common grace, we want the good for all people as a Christian. We want the good for Christians and non-Christians. Obviously, we want, like, we want repentance. We want the kingdom of heaven to be open for those who do repent and who do take the obedience of Christ on them. Um, but that's different from wanting the good for those who are not Christians. And we don't want unnecessary persecution on those who are non-Christians. So we want religious freedom for all. That's, that's the big thing is if we were a specifically christian nation under christendom what that would inevitably necessitate was either we are in a different denomination as the country is run under and so we will be told to do things that we would not agree with or those who are not of our denomination not of our faith are instead of the church ruling them it is the government ruling them and there's no there's there tends to be no line between the government and the church and we want the church to be free to worship as they want to worship and others to do as they want to do as well so it's good because a country with no specific religious ties but allows the freedom of all religious entities to worship as they want to worship means we as the church can worship how we want to worship and we're not told do things differently because inevitably if it is a christian nation they have to have some sort of laws towards a specific group or else they're going to be too broad to be an actually christian nation and so people will be persecuted regardless and those who are not of the faith it tends to be a moralistic legal system where they're trying to push moralism on others and not christ and new heart on others as well and so that's why it's good that were not under a Christian nation. That were under a nation that just preserves the rights and the ability to worship freely.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we <clears throat> first talked about this on our own, and you told me that uh, America is not a Christian nation, I about fell out of my chair. <laughs> yeah,
1: he got like all pale. pale and
0: <laughs> yeah, his eyes rolled back. And he's, we had to we had to resuscitate him. <laughs> you know, I was like. I was pretty I mean it was kind of like almost felt offensive at first and then I'm sure some of you guys are having that same reaction I did but then uh it it came to uh is more of assuaged my thought on this when you explained it more um in the in the way you just did and it makes a lot more sense and then how I interpreted it as well is I mean we have a difficult enough time with different Christian denominations and other, mm. even other <laughs> religions. Yeah, try worshiping a perfect God, and and very often it's in imperfect attempts and ways. Yeah. We even mess that up in religion. So yeah. much more would the government mess on oh, a
1: national up. level. Yeah,
0: I mean, in if we did everything in religion's name, I mean uh think of all the things government has taken over to try to do yeah <laughs> they totally mess it up so yeah um it would probably it would it wouldn't probably it would do more damage than good i mean yeah if government did everything and in other words we wouldn't uh want us to take up christianity by the sword by government force
1: totally yeah and that's and we've talked about it as well but just to announce Um, to those who are listening, the only specific regulations we have for ordination in the New Testament are for pastors, so those who are leading the flock. And we don't have that for civil magistrate. There are things in the Old Testament um, for leaders and for kings, but again, that's how we read our Bible, who that's applied to and who that is pointing towards in being Jesus Christ, being a true ruler of both regions, and Annette, eventually, in heaven, both will become one.
0: Mm-hmm. And, I mean, with that said, that's – I want people to understand the distinguished. Like, we're saying that government as an official entity, you know, yeah, yep. indiv- individual people, people as, in, as in you, Peter, as in myself, as in any elected official, they, uh, yeah, obviously – be a Christian, Totally can be christian absolutely and in fact like as believers we pray that no matter what like we don't want our worst enemy not being saved yeah like totally, we, yeah. we don't want not be saved so yeah and we're commanded yeah. to pray by paul for
1: our elected officials
0: yep yep pray uh for elected leaders uh and as individuals
1: Yeah, and that's both, we're praying for their repentance if they're not Christians, but that's not to lead in a Christian way necessarily, that's for their salvation. We're also praying that they would effectively kind of like leave the church alone to do what the church is supposed to do. and that is To um, preach the word, administer the sacraments, and provide church discipline,
0: just be the church for us, that they're allowed to be the church. They are essentially providing protection as a threat. Yep. Kind of like and that's that, that,
1: that, those, those words are in our constitution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which doesn't necessarily make it Christian. It means they're allowing the freedom of expression, they're allowing the free use of religion and worship within yep. the confines of the country.
0: Yep. Our, we should, as Christians, support a government uh, to protect not only our freedom of religion uh, freedom. but also muslims and mm-hmm. also because uh,
1: inevitably if one is persecuted it will roll down to us yep and we want everyone to have freedom of religion and we see that in other countries and that's not something we want for our own country as well
0: yep cool so i think i can i think that people are probably starting to see our perspective yeah i hope so yeah it's hard but i hope first, so yeah yeah So, as you can already tell, this conversation is very similar to our vocation conversation. Totally, yep. um, Between careers and the workplace, um, that would have a direct anti biblical industry or secondary, like a wiggly line issue that's um, not directly biblically focused um, when you're looking for a calling for a career. Yep. a direct biblical straight line issue versus more of a freedom issue. Yeah. Um, the, the direct biblical line issues, uh, we would obviously think of those as abortion, human trafficking, um, racism, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, human trafficking. I already said that one. And, Uh, freedom of religion yeah yeah or theft, anything yep so those ones are direct line now ones that are a little bit more you have freedom to maybe kind of disagree within with your other believers in the church could be um, you know like education taxes environment health care that kind of thing
1: yeah totally
0: and what that should do is focus on what's uniting us. You know, it's the difference. Yeah. What did Jesus yeah, and this, directly talk about this or not?
1: Yeah, and this, is, this again relates to the moral law, and that's what we've talked about within the covenants as well. This was given to all humanity. It's been implanted on our hearts, as Paul writes in um, Romans 1. And that's why we know that we're all guilty, is we know we're not supposed to murder. We know we're not supposed to take we're not we know we're not supposed to sell improperly um all of that stuff and that has not been necessarily revealed to us in the word that has been shown to us in nature that's been shown to us by being written on our hearts as -hmm. paul has told us we know that naturally we know that that as moral
0: beings that these things are wrong Mm -hmm. so when you're going to the um voter box or whatnot um the direct line biblical issues if it it just needs to be directly focused a firm grip on the gospel salvation repentance um so those those items that i described earlier uh those should be things we hold a firm grip onto when we go to the voter, voter box right
1: yeah i think for for christians and for non-christians um anybody the items we should be voting on are like if you triage in the medical community triaging is you hit the things that are hardest or most abusive or or most deadly first and then you go from there but yeah as a as the good for the nation as the common good for the nation those are the things i think we should think of
0: first and foremost Uh, So as Christians, how can we get involved into politics, especially to make an impact on these direct line biblical issues, Mm -hmm. such as uh, oppressing uh, or opposing racism and uh, opposing (coughs) abortion, opposing human trafficking? Um, How can we make an impact on those issues, assuming it's completely okay for us to be involved in running for office? and uh from everything from the local school board to even the president so yeah
1: um i I think one of the the bay things we think about is and i can just put this caveat i mean studying for the ministry and knowing others and and seeing messages hearing messages is um, politics and these things don't belong in the pulpit that's not where we get it done Um, We don't preach these things. We don't tell from the pulpit. We preach the word from the pulpit. And the implications end in these places, but we preach the word in the pulpit first and foremost. But as Christians, because we have this obligation to preserve our neighbor's good, because we have the obligation to preserve our nation's good, to preserve our common man's good, I I do think, in a sense, we, we have this obligation, we have this need, to vote well and vote informed on these decisions, on these statutes, whatever they may be. Um, So if we do go to the polling place, then these are the things we have to think about. And I think it's good and I think it's okay for Christians to go into into the civil magistrate. um, And again, with this in mind, that they're doing good for the common person, that they're making sure that the rules that they um, uphold, that the legislation that they write, that, they, that those that they come in league with, that they help, that they commune with, that all is done for the common good of the common man. And again, that's um, fighting against abortion, fighting against, fighting against unjust death, fighting against thievery, fighting against pornography, fighting against those things. Um, and there are obviously some things that you hold an open hand with, but those are not saying this is run as a Christian nation. Those are, this is a good for my neighbor not to die unjustly it is good for my property, my neighbor's property, my friend's property, my boss's property, not to be taken unjustly. So those are the things we think of. And as a Christian in the political sphere, those are the things that we wanna, that we wanna hold firm to um, without blending church, without blending like moral legalism. And so trying to tell people you have to be a Christian trying to legislate Christianity, trying to legislate church attendance, trying to legislate these things versus what is the common good for the common man.
0: And I mean, a lot of Christians could even, uh, inside a church, disagree on things like healthcare. Totally,
1: yeah, that's totally open-handed.
0: Yeah, those are open-handed freedom issues. uh, And, you know, where the... Temptation is when you are uh, taking a strong side of those. Is you want to say no, no, those are direct line biblical issues. Yeah. And, and when you come down to it, in the Bible, even though healthcare is important, did he, did Jesus ever talk about <laughs> care? Yeah, yeah. The and Bible? they'll take
1: it mostly yeah. from um, Old Testament Le- Le- Levitical law. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll take it from stipulations in leviticus numbers and deuteronomy but again we have to be able like we talked about in how to read the bible and within the covenants episodes we have to know who is this given to what is this point
0: towards yep and with those freedom issues please 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 ro- love and embrace your members and recognize that it's normal and okay to have diversity in your church yeah. and that uh, what brings us together is bigger than what we are disagreeing on. Absolutely. On issues. So love and embrace each other, still break bread with people that yeah. uh, disagree on these um, freedom issues.
1: Yeah. These are not salvific issues.
0: mm mm-hmm. um, And also focus uh, – if you're not doing that, adjust your expectations. Know that your church should be diverse. So if your church yeah. is all like if you're looking around and everybody is either one side of the aisle or the other, not like literally everyone's on one. <laughs> other, <laughs> but yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Why is everyone on the left or the right? That, that, that
1: side's stinky. Nobody wants to be on that side.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So if if uh, then you should probably uh, know that uh, you need to. Be okay with being more open to Yeah.
1: Yeah, and this and this is gonna come across maybe as a shock, but and again, we have to know that the condition of salvation is what we said, justification. It is being right under the law, having the obedience of Christ given to you. It is not, are you right politically? It is, have you been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ? Has his justification covered you? Has his obedience become your obedience? not what do you believe on issue x
0: yep yep there needs there needs to be a understanding of uh the firm grip of the gospel salvation repentance and even a clear understanding of clear necessary consequence yep yep and you can describe that better than me on how to interpret uh what would be a direct line focus in the bible
1: Yeah, and that's, I mean, even too, and this, again, this is just, we want to see what is Reformed theology, what does the gospel say about this? What does the finished work of Christ and his justification, our sanctification and our eventual glorification mean for us? And it is, you can even argue and dispute over first order stuff. You can argue over some political hot issues, hot button issues of the day. But at the end of the day, if you confess Jesus Christ with your mouth and believe in your heart, that you have his obedience that you have no righteousness in yourself that christ has all the righteousness that is the only condition for salvation you can have arguments with other believers on even first second order stuff and it's hard and they can be heated but at the end of the day both of you are justified it is not what you say or what you do that nullifies that it is the person you're saved by
0: yeah there needs to be uh totally agree there did there's also needs to be a balance of uh, church discipline too if somebody Holy. really hardcore against a direct line biblical issue yeah um, there may be
1: are, misunderstanding of the gospel
0: they are a radical racist or they yeah. are not repenting um, they are you know an abortion doctor or something like that um, it yeah, could be
1: yeah it could be a fruit of a bad heart it could be a misunderstanding of the gospel but it's as always having discussions talking to them church being involved pastor knowing his flock you knowing your pastor and having that open communication line
0: yep cool um so how can we still have that sense of hope and security from god knowing that we aren't identified in a covenant as a christian nation
1: Yeah, and that's because we we have that covenant with Christ himself. We We are involved through the covenant of grace, like we talked about last episode, in that covenant of redemption with the triune God that we worship. And that supersedes and is eternal. That covenant with the triune God, our justification, entering into that covenant of grace from the covenant of works, with jesus christ that is eternal the covenant with a nation is temporary so while it feels more physical and more real right now it is still nonetheless temporary and we have that eternal future covenant with christ himself
0: how does the two kingdom view relate to us right now in being dedicated completely as Americans, 100% patriotic, but also uh, having our ultimate identity uh, as Christians belonging to Jesus?
1: Yeah, this is a good question. It's not being a two-faced person. So during the week saying, well, I'm an American, and on Sunday saying, well, I'm a Christian. It is at all times every day you are both an American and a Christian, and it's good that those two things are separate. It is good to fight for the good of your neighbor. It is good at work, like we talked about in the vocation episode, to do good to your neighbor, to not steal from your company, to um, vote well, but not vote in a necessarily strictly Christian as in I want to legislate Christian morality. It is I want to make sure my neighbor is preserved, the government's preserved. I'm praying for my country. I'm praying for my neighbors. I'm praying for elected officials, uh, both for my good and for others' good. Um, But that's not to say that I have a different mindset when it comes to the church. It's not to say that Sunday morning I'm a different person than I am Sunday afternoon through Saturday night. It is at all times, we both live as a citizen of this world. We live, move, and have our being in this world. At the same time, knowing our true future eternal home is the one that's coming and the one that we've already been guaranteed right now through the Spirit.
0: How do we know when it's okay to stand up for a revolution, or when it's, uh, or when to submit to authority? So we have to be really, extremely cautious on this. I mean, yeah. Um, uh, what we all agree, Martin Luther King was a, a fantastic person yeah. uh, and a great role model, and he was Christian, and yeah. he, at some point in time, said, "No more." Yeah. I need to do a civil rights movement, stand up for a revolution. How do we know? And then God bless <laughs> doing that. Thank thank goodness he did that. How do we know when that when to do that as a maybe a leader or when to on the other end, just kind of submit to authority?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna say the first end, like just being honest, this is a little bit above my pay grade um kind of a lot of the political theology is a little bit more and i'm hoping to have one of my professors on later on who can describe this in in uh in fuller detail later Mm -hmm. on who's much more versed in this and i think but at the basic level it's does what is ruled go against the very basic moral law that we have is it going against what we see and so i think and just a, a real like legitimate one is abortion is i think that is something that we can civilly disobey on that we see mm-hmm. a clear indication in scripture that all human life is dignified from the womb to the tomb everything is dignified and so i think there is a sense that we can fight against it do i think that that means um necessarily a picketing? i i don't know what that looks like i don't know okay. how you're supposed to be doing that stuff all i know is um that doesn't go that does go against scripture in the sense of how do we um display this in an outward sense i'm not sure i just yeah. know that this is something that we can say we can disobey on we can disagree on
0: that's a good answer um
1: because i think it's, it's going to change situation to situation person to person and not wanting to give a cop-out but i also don't want to go beyond what scripture says um and it's it it could be like where it is martin luther king jr thing where he had to speak out against outright racism um so that's it's going to be up to the conscience going to be up to how the holy spirit convicts you um if that is in line with what scripture says and if you have spoken to people and that they agree with you who are brothers or sisters in christ um, and other field, other people feel the same need. Um, and I think there's a community aspect to this as well. It should not just be you or it should not just be me. It should be through a group of people who see this in Scripture, truthfully, scripturally. Um, and again, how that's worked out, I'm not
0: sure. Yeah, no good answer. I mean, uh, as a Christian, they would their answer would become only more clear the more they dig into Scripture. The more they uh have a relationship with their church and pray and everything so um i think that that answer becomes more clear the more they do that
1: yeah and I, and I do think in general outside of pretty harsh circumstances we're called just to submit just as we do in church at home we're called to submit to the authorities it's hard as it is, and especially in like just being honest, the last six months, last seven months, as hard as it's been, is something we are called to submit to. And again, unless it goes against explicit commands of scripture, um, and that again is case to case basis.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, when it all said at the end of the day, we're all seeking justice, mm-hmm. and uh, the job of the government is to protect the innocent, protect religious freedom, um and so that like when we're voting that way we keep that in our mind uh, yeah. Vote really is a calculation on justice so yep. not just a blind approval of one party right. other yeah so um if governments are provisional and temporary mm. as, as all created things really are yeah uh, shouldn't we always hope for less control from our government yeah yeah this is a this is a big one
1: this is this is hard i think it's been a hot button topic especially the last year or so and has been always a topic um as to the reach and control of the governments i don't know i'm not i'm not a constitutional expert i think we'd have to relay this question to somebody who knows the constitution a lot better than i do Mm -hmm. um or civil government a lot better than i do um But in terms of provisional and temporary, I think that's the very way that Christ um, in God established this. He established a temporary government to point us to the perfect eternal government coming in heaven um, as being a very temporary, imperfect, earthly vision of what the perfect eternal kingdom is going to look like. And I don't think that means that we should necessarily wish for less or necessarily wish for more. Um, that is just how it's been set up on this earth. Um, but I think this, like, that would be potentially more of a question for somebody who knows a lot more about governmental
0: theory than I do. I do like that we're being, uh, cautious and humble on this topic. Um, so we can just kind of give you guys the most objective answers. Yeah. We can't, can't not go outside of scripture, really. Yep. So, um, how are we both not under a covenant to our nation from god as you explained earlier mm-hmm. also the government is a legitimate and ordained and ordained from god
1: yeah that's a good question um and it's again it seemed a distinction what did or what was the covenant specifically as a theocracy that israel was under and it was to point them to a mediator it was point them And the nations around them saying, this is a specific set off, cut apart people from all of the nations. And it's because my presence is here. It's because the tent, the tabernacle was in the midst of Israel throughout the kings, throughout the prophets, throughout the priests. And it was to show the nations, here is a picture of the future kingdom, the future true kingdom and reign of the one who's to come. And so I think we have to see that covenant in that sense. And again, that's why we see the church as always being Israel, because that is the church. The church as we see it right now is that same covenant with Christ. And so we have not necessarily seen that change in the sense of our spiritual kingship being that same kingship that they had, because all of those magistrates, all of those rulers, all of those kings failed within Israel. They failed to provide the rule, the legal rule, The spiritual rule that Christ required of them, that God required of them. Um, But we see the true spiritual rule right now in Christ over the church. Um, But that doesn't negate the ordination of God, not the same ordination that He gives to the church or to ministers, but the ordained more so in the sense of like, this is your purpose as the state. And your purpose as the state is to rule justly. Your purpose as the state is to. Leave the church to do what the church does, leave others to do what others do, and to, with the sword, make sure that those who rise up against the common good are taken care of correctly and appropriately, and the good is upheld. And so that's why we see a distinction, but at the same time, that distinction doesn't mean it contradicts each other.
0: Mm. Okay. Okay it's a lot so i was just digesting it i was thank you yeah. um so it's it's not it's not the government's job to either fully deny or fully support any one religion right right yep okay but it is okay and necessary for our leaders uh e- even individually to pray on our behalf and oh yeah and we need to pray for their absolutely leaders. yes as individuals
1: um, and I'll, I'll, I'll um, reference this guy in our show notes, but he's associated with our seminary. He's actually on our board. Um, a Nebraska senator, Ben Sasse, I think Sass, I forget how you say his last name. But he's a Reformed Presbyterian who serves in our Senate, our House of Representatives, one of those two things. Um, but he's on our board of our seminary um, here, and he's got a lot of writing on what it's like to be a Christian in the political sphere and so i'll I'll reference that stuff as well but it's okay for a a personal christian in the civil magistrate to be a christian there and he kind of helps out with hey this is what the constitution says this is my beliefs this is how i am a christian in this in this environment
0: okay we don't want to we could go deeper in that, and we we don't want to. <laughs> to, to yeah, go
1: I, I can't speak on this stuff because I'm not in the government.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. Um, so I was doing some review um, from a guy that knows this stuff pretty well, Jonathan Lehman, mm-hmm. um, and he has a he has three. Wrong, he lists three wrong things to do as a Christian with politics. Yeah, and they're pretty good, and so I put them kind of in my own words, but they yeah. are his words too because I was just jotting them down as he was talking, so I probably didn't make them really verbatim. Um, and the first one is the, these are all wrong things to do, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the first one would be disengage. Okay. So, as Christians, we are not called. We're not called to disengage. So calls that the Jonah option.
1: Hmm. Put your Um, head in the sand, run
0: away. Yep, yep. We need to be engaged for love and justice. Yeah, yep. For the common good. mm -hmm. Number two, uh, as Christians, we should not just automatically submit to the world. Yeah, Uh, yeah. And that would be, Unfortunately, what a lot of, like, hardcore current liberal Christianity has done recently, and that's kind of more the Judas option, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: he calls it. Um, That would be, uh, to put it in the most extreme terms that he was talking about, would be in um, the 1930s when Nazi Germany was starting to turn that way and people just kind of went along with it.
1: yeah it's you let culture overtake your church
0: yes amen okay cool so there's that one we obviously don't want to do that the third one uh, is probably the most common or obvious these days is utopianism yeah um what that really is is making the here and now situations more important than the internal Hmm. Yeah, yeah yeah even, yeah uh, even if they are really in big and important it's like thinking no 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 no. i don't care about the eternal we gotta fix this thing right now and that's more yeah important. um we're not called to do that um
1: yeah and that's and this kind of goes back to our now that i'm thinking we, now that you bring this up this goes back to our actually our end times podcast where we try to bring the perfect here right now when the mm-hmm. perfect is coming
0: yep yeah i was thinking that too um So what happens is if we do this, we end up adopting worldly ideals outside of Scripture. Yeah. um, To force, to try to force on our own terms the kingdom of heaven here. Yep. Uh, It's not going to come until Jesus comes. It's not anything we can do. Uh,
1: Yeah, and actually, like like we said, we actually have a taste of it already right now. Mm -hmm. And that taste is the church. Yep. But – the full physical reign comes when the consummation, when heaven comes and Jesus makes all things new.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I want to point that out. I thought it was kind of helpful. Yeah. Uh, you didn't even know I was going to mention that. So. <laughs> so, um, as, as we say, this is pretty unscripted. Yeah. Um, a couple more, just kind of points. These are more statements, but please elaborate. Yeah. Um, all kings and rulers on earth rise and fall at Christ's command. Just yeah. good reminder. Good yep. All's under. All are set up
1: and all fall by mm-hmm. the word of His mouth. Nothing comes that He does not already set in motion.
0: And lastly um bringing it back to the bible and trying to relate yeah Um, i i think of the book of daniel a lot uh, when it comes to politics and even dealing with an uncomfortable situation and still being focused on god and not your direct superior yeah yeah so book of daniel and then even um psalm 2 okay Psalm two. I don't. Uh, do you have your Bible in front of you? Would you be able to read Psalm two? Not to uh, put you on the spot. Sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll read it right now.
0: Okay. Cool. Uh,
1: so it's the title is the reign of the Lord's anointed. Why did the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and His anointed, saying. Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away the cords from us. <clears throat> he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, the holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As, ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, and his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Cool.
0: That was a good verse. Thank you for reading that. Um, What do you you think of that when it comes to this topic?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of times it's been used, not a negative light but to show like oh this is how you have to rule the nation but it's it's speaking of the messiah to come it's speaking of the lord and against his anointed as the end of verse two says it's all rulers all kingdoms of this earth this physical earth point towards the one who's to come and their rule unjustly against this anointed to come is what brings their fall and it's that's not because they're ruling unjustly; it's because they are unjust themselves. Um, those who are outside of the justification, they are unjust themselves. Um, and when it says, and again, we have to know what's the context of the psalm, and the context of the psalm as much as as well as we know is written by David, and what is the era that he's speaking of? And he's speaking of this is a very specifically like kingship-oriented time. And so these kings who are supposed to rule under the strict and direct sovereignty of the Lord are not ruling under the strict, direct sovereignty of the Lord. Um, But we have to be careful as 21st century Americans, and again, not unpatriotic way, but careful to take the same mandate and the same rule that they were given in Israel and apply that to America.
0: Mm -hmm. Versus
1: seeing the true eternal king to come is one who did come in the first century, who did die on the cross, who did obey for our disobedience. He is that true king who we can look for and say, when he comes, he will rule justly. He will uh, justify those whom he has obeyed for, and he will uh, judge those whom he has not obeyed both kings and people alike.
0: Mm -hmm. And in America, since we vote in our elected officials, us as the citizens are kind of technically the rulers.
1: Yeah, yeah, in a democratic system, we, in some sense, yeah, we elect.
0: So I want to point that out, that it's not just calling those actually elected officials uh, because, it's because when this was written in context, they weren't necessarily elected in the way we yeah, know. Yeah,
1: they're anointed, they're set up.
0: Right. So, this is a call to us as everyday citizens who vote, right? Yeah, I think kind of a
1: secondary explanation or secondary meaning is um, when we vote, we vote for the common good and we vote to preserve life and pres- mm-hmm. preservation of life, like we've talked about before gives opportunity towards eventual repentance
0: um open up freedom for people to choose uh to not be persecuted and so it opens up that ability for them and god to to yeah
1: just in uh hebrew so the word just to has a range enough for both like what we think of as justification under the law but it also has a range for having a just cause or being in the right. It has, has a range for you are doing something for the common good. It has mm-hmm. both of those um, meanings within the word, depending on that context.
0: Cool. Okay. Uh, we're almost done. I got a couple more things I want to point out here. Yeah. I thought it was pretty interesting, this, this part I was just kind of thinking about. The 12 disciples, they were really diverse. And that was on purpose chosen by God, each of those 12 disciples, right? Um, Yeah. It's an extremely safe bet to think that all didn't agree on the same political issues of the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. We see that pretty specifically in Acts where Peter and Paul disagree on the inclusion of Gentiles. Um, Peter thought they had to be circumcised.
0: Paul didn't. And Matthew, I mean, <laughs> talk about an outsider coming into the, the band of brothers. I oh, mean, yeah,
1: not even an outsider, like probably the most hated <laughs> person coming in. as a Like, he was part of the Roman officials who were effectively stealing from Jewish people. And the rest of the or rest of the apostles
0: were Jews. Mm-hmm. And that's hardly ever talked about. Like, we talked about the 12 disciples and, and they're with Jesus, but no one really kind Of, like, digs down and like, wow, they really, um, all probably disagreeing on politics on different sides of the aisle on a lot oh, of things. Yeah. But, God, what does that tell us about God's character? He purposely picked people from all different aspects of that region and political, uh, viewpoints, yeah, and cultures, and families and you know you got matthew who is a tax collector who everyone despised <laughs> yeah. and some of them were just really blue-collar fishermen right yeah i can't imagine they looked at matthew and was like
1: yep he's a good addition they would have looked at jesus like are you nuts why are you yeah. inviting this person who's stolen from us and our families
0: yeah and as we can see now two thousand years later we're like how cool is it that we have even matthew in there I mean we have yeah. the Matthew. I mean it's just he knows deep down who you are and yeah. uses uses that. So yeah. God loves diversity. So if he can pick those 12 disciples that are so diverse, your church can reflect that too, right? Yeah. Um So yeah, that was that was kind of my point. It's a good example of how we could how we could view our fellow brothers and sisters in Christianity, even from other denominations, obviously, sit down, break bread with them, be like, hey, we have the most important stuff agreed on. We're saved by Jesus, and we believe in the gospel and salvation. Now these other things we may or may may not agree on politically or not even salvation-based things that are theological, like we can still have conversations about that and okay um we're not like 100 percent dogmatic about literally everything that comes out of our mouth right yes gospel salvation that kind of stuff so um so i assume with this wrapping this up us christians still should feel called to be political in the sense that we are completely encouraged to still still vote, run for office, even serve the military. Yeah, uh, all that good stuff. Oh yeah, good. Um, how does the theme of politics relate to the gospel of Jesus? To wrap it up.
1: Yeah, it's uh, politics that twofold kingdom: the kingdom of earth and the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of man and the kingdom of Christ, both administered differently, but under the same sovereign Lord. And so we see in the earthly political sphere, we see a imperfect, temporary picture of what that perfect, heavenly political life will be like. And we don't have to think of politics necessarily as legislation and laws. Politics literally could just be a group of people. A group of people with shared or um, dissimilar, unshared views of life and how they interacts with each other and how they live with each other, how they worship with each other. Uh, But the earthly kingdom, the civil government we see now, is just pointing us to that eventual, perfect, and eternal kingdom where we'll all be under the rule and reign of Christ, and none will disagree with this rule and reign of Christ. All will be perfectly sanctified, perfectly glorified. We will see all that Christ does, and we will agree with all that Christ does. And we can see that temporary picture right now in the church. We see how the rule of Christ, again, this is done imperfectly in the church, but it is a picture. It is a shadow of the things to come with that heavenly, eternal, political sphere of being in communion with our triune God. And as Christians, we have that perfect reign to come. That is ours. That is already ours. We have that to look forward to. We have the spirit within us that points us to that because we've been given the obedience of Christ. Um, and if we're not Christians, that is something that either we have the ability to come to or we'll, we are under that only that temporary reign and forever and eternally we will be under the justice of God, not the communion with God. And so it's understanding what does this point towards and politics points towards the perfect reign of Christ.
0: Cool. Hey, Amen. Peter, we did it. We got <laughs> through the politics. We
1: got <laughs> through it.
0: We did. And uh, we're still alive. We still love each other. Yep. <laughs> and uh, hopefully you guys still like us. <laughs> Yeah, and just dig deep, read some of the resources.
1: and um, Yeah, this kind of this new Christendom stuff, America being in covenant is relatively new. And the older, more theologically established is the Reformed perspective onto kingdoms. And so dive, dive deep into it, look into it, and see how can I serve this kingdom while also being a citizen of the kingdom to come.
0: Cool. Thanks so much, guys. Um, we are on Instagram, and we got mm-hmm. really lovely artwork that is uh, released per every episode every Monday. It's yep be really cool. Uh, Peter, tell us about the artwork. I'll let you. Do- <laughs> yeah, it's done by my wife. Yes, um,
1: she was an art major in college, and so if you guys can encourage her and just tell her that she's doing a good job and. I'm sure she would appreciate that.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. It's it's so cool that it, I feel like it's like t-shirt designs. Um, oh yeah, which who knows? Maybe <laughs> come in the
1: future. We'll see. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So uh, that is our social media. Our only social media platform right now um, would be Instagram. So it's at Grace uh, guilt, Grace Gratitude Podcast. Uh huh. The handle and then our email. Yep. Uh, Pod at gmail.com yep uh, and you can leave subscribe to us on any podcast platform and leave us really good ratings and comments obviously yeah, only
1: really good ratings or else we're going to delete you
0: yep of course I mean it's like uh, everyone's mom says if you don't have anything nice to say don't, say, don't it. say it <laughs> I'm just kidding <laughs> um, but, but really yeah, no, <laughs> I'm just kidding um <laughs> So that's it. Uh, we, we are – the uh, next episode is the final episode of the season. Yep, yep. So uh, we'll make a little surprise for you guys with what that is. And thank you for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. All right, peace.